0: Should I marry her? Should I marry him? Should I have that surgery? Do I share the gospel now? Should I move? Should I take that job? Maybe with parents or grandparents you're dealing with, is it time to move toward the nursing home? Is God calling me into this ministry to serve here? I mean, we're all dealing with these questions in life of how do you, how do I, how do we collectively discern the voice of God? Right how do I know God like what you want me to do? I'm, dealing, I'm facing this decision this moment, right, and some of those were like, uh, I mean, we, we have some time to prepare for, others I mean they just smack you in that moment. It's like immediately you need to make some kind of decision, and so how do you discern the voice of God? How do you know what's God's will? what's God's plan? We're going to look at that this morning, Acts chapter sixteen, verse six, uh, six through ten. so let's get to the text. Let's see what happens. It says, remember, the church had sent out um, Paul and Silas, and they've gone, and they've also picked up Timothy by this point, and they're heading out to the churches, all right, to take the the gospel to them, and now they're beginning to take the gospel further where it's not been proclaimed. And, And so they move forward. It says they went throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been, this is a very interesting statement, forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Now, we hear that statement, forbidden by the Holy Spirit, and we think, "Oh, of course, the Holy Spirit forbids, all right. I mean, we know that the Spirit, um, He says the Spirit of God uh, teaches us to say no to unrighteousness and yes to righteousness. We know the Spirit of God within us, the, the, the New Testament declares that He envies intensely, the Spirit of God in us doesn't like it when we sin, and so He's at work in us. We know the Spirit of God, according to Romans 8, intercedes with God with, with us when we pray. It says we don't even know how we pray as we should, but the Spirit of God's at work in that. And so we know the Spirit of God is alive in us, and He's moving and directing. And so we, we, we know that there's things that the Spirit of God's going to stop in our lives, and the things that God's going to move forward with us, Spirit of God. But this statement doesn't seem to fit. Right? It's kind of like, I don't know about you, but if you remember ever working with your kids on trying to learn how to put their shoes on, how many times did you turn around They have the wrong shoe and the wrong foot? Right? It's kind of those moments. They walk around and they're like, it feels so weird, right? They're walking around like that. Um, this is a moment that just seems like the shoes are the wrong foot. It says that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Look what it says. To speak the word in Asia. Why would God ever stop anyone from telling someone else about his son Jesus? I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. After all, I mean, this is kind of a challenging statement. And so, again, just for this word forbidden, let's just take it just for a moment. It's used several times throughout the text here in the book of Acts. One example would be in Acts chapter 27. In Acts chapter 27, this guy by the name of Paul again is on a ship, and the ship is in really bad shape. They've been in stormy waters for a long period of time. They've given up all hope. Everybody assumes they're going to die. Finally, they see some land. They throw everything overboard, and they make it as hard as they can to go toward the land, all right? Um, they actually don't end up making it there. They kind of run into this big reef, and the, and the waves are tearing their ship up. And so what you have to understand is that, that there's lots of prisoners on this ship. And so kind of how Roman law worked is, if you were a soldier and you had a prisoner, if your prisoner gets let go, what happens to you? You get killed. So it's your life for theirs. So they say, listen, what's going to happen here is when we jump off the ship, a lot of these guys are going to go and they're going to get away. And we report back that they're gone. Our lives are over. So watch what happens. It says the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape and they'd be killed in their place. But the centurion, all right, he's in charge, wishing to save Paul. Look what it says there. He kept them from carrying out their plan. Literally, he forbid it, he stopped it. Same Greek word that we're seeing here, forbidden by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit literally stops it from happening. Um, and so, maybe you've been there. You, you've been surprised um, because you thought for certain that relationship that you were in was the one, right? You ever been there? They're the one, let's be honest. And and some of Garth's theology is not exactly right when he talks about unanswered prayers. God always answers. Um, but, but you know the song Garth Brooks, right, where he talks about that and he says that, hey, we saw him again at that old high school flame at the high school game. And, and you realized, hey, listen, the one you thought was the one wasn't actually the one. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but probably many of you have been there. I mean, you thought for sure that person was it. And it didn't work out. And then, like, years later, you realize, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right? I mean, you, you you've been there, right? I mean, there's been moments when you thought that job was absolutely certain you should have taken that job. I mean, it was certain. It was so clear. And you didn't understand why so-and-so got it. And you thought it was probably some kind of political inside move. And you were frustrated. And you were mad. And you were bitter. And God didn't love you. didn't care about you. Only to like later down the road, realize, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right? I mean, you've been there, right? There's times when God stops it. We just don't understand it. We don't always understand what God's doing, why He's doing it. Look what happens here further in the text. Kind of big ballpark. We'll just unfold it for you. What's happening it says, they went throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Then when they came up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Trous. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. All right, so remember, Here's kind of where they are, right? This is kind of present day where they are, this area of Phrygia, Galatia. It says they want to head over here toward Galatia, okay? So... Over toward Asia area. Most likely that's headed toward the coast. Uh, Ephesus, Smyrna. Um, you hear the church of Ephesians is there. Um, Colossae is there. So the book of Colossians. Smyrna is one of the seven letters that's written in the book of Revelation. They want to take the gospel there, but listen, God says, no, actually, that's not where you're going to go. And they say, well, maybe we should go up here toward Bithynia. And God says, actually, no, that's not where you're going to go. And, and so they travel around toward Traus, and finally they get the vision right. And that's where it is here in Macedonia, and that's where they're going to cr- cross over. And so. Here it is. Um, Paul's struggling. Silas is struggling. Right? I mean, look what happens here, just for a moment, and we'll talk about it. Verse 7, it says, When they'd come up to Messiah, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Again, they're trying to take the gospel to these people who desperately need to hear about Christ, and now we have that Spirit of Jesus says, Nope, not going to allow that to happen either. I mean, there's, some, there's just moments of like challenges. But let's be honest. To some degree, you and I see that and we're like, whew. So like, Paul had struggles to know what God's will was? I mean, right? I mean, he's trying to go into Asia and the Holy Spirit has to forbid them to do it. They assume they should go into Benia to share the gospel there. And it says that Jesus didn't allow them to. I mean, they just keep seeing stop signs. I mean, I don't know about you, but you've probably had moments in life when you felt certain, this is what God wants me to do, only to get the big stop sign and say, God, I don't get it. Why us? Why now? Why my family? Why me? What are you doing, God? I mean, so here it is. The great apostle Paul, who wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else, who starts so many churches, taking Jesus to the lost, lostness, to the darkness. And here he is struggling to say, God, what, what are you doing? Right? I mean, I'm trying to take the gospel. Why do you keep throwing up these roadblocks? Interestingly, in the text today, um, we see that, look what it says there. It says that they're forbidden by the Holy Spirit, and then they're forbidden by the Spirit of Jesus, so He stops them. And then finally they conclude that God's the one that's calling Him to preach. And you say, so is like the Holy Spirit up to one thing, and like Jesus is up to something else, and then like God the Father is up to something else? And, and so I don't know if you know it or not, but it's called this. they're called the Trinity. It's one God, three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And you hear that and you think, like, well, why is like, it's like, are they competing with each other? What's ha- are they not all on the same page? Look at Romans 8, verse 9. It kind of talks to us a little bit about how all this kind of unfolds. Paul says it to the church at Rome in chapter 8 of Romans, verse 9. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. He says, you're in the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Now, look what happens here further. If, in fact, he says, now the Spirit of God dwells in you. He says, so you have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, but now you also have the Spirit of God in you. And then he says this, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So he's saying, listen, I want you to realize that the Holy Spirit of God's at work in you. God the Father's at work in you by His, His Spirit. And then, in fact, the spirit of Jesus is actually at work in you, too. They're not competing. They're all at work in you. They are one God, three distinct persons, but they're all working unified in complete accord with one another. So we see this unfolding text and you say, Blake, um, so if it's God the Father that I need to come to, then when I die or when my time comes, we've been thinking about that today, like when I die or different things happen in my life, we think about that, that day comes... I had to, I'll be honest with you, I had to shudder a few moments ago when we were singing, when it talks about Jesus appearing. Because I had to wonder, will you be ready for His appearing? We have this Disneyland theology that like all dogs go to heaven, and so that must necessitate the dogs get there. Surely people do. And so you assume that like, hey, I'll just show up on that day when I die, and I'm going to come into God's presence and be like, what's up big guy? It's me. What's up? What's up? What's up? And you get there and you realize that God is in fact holy and perfect and righteous and in His presence no sin may dwell. And there ought to be a feeling a lump in your throat almost like in despair. You almost sense that like bow my head like then what good is there? What hope is there? And you would be right. Except that God is not only holy, perfect, righteous, and good, and He has to judge all sin, He's also all-loving. And because of that love, He would send forth His Son for you. And His Son, in fact, allows you, because of His death on the cross, listen to what it says, 1 John chapter 2. My little children, He says, I write these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, look what He says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, or the righteous one. He is the propitiation for our sins. That Lord means that He's the only one because God is holy, perfect, and good, and He must judge all sin. That You can't just, walk, you can't just like waltz into God's presence like, what's up? And He accepts you. He says you have to have someone that could take your sin and pay for it and do so in such a manner that could finally once and for all satisfy God's anger and judgment of sin. Because God hates sin. And yet He loves you. And how that love is portrayed to you and I, it's through his son, Jesus Christ, that you could experience that. And not only that, though, look what he says. First, John chapter two, verse twenty three. No one who denies the son has the father. So if you want God as your father, he says, listen, you can't have God as your father unless you have Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Why? Because you can't come to God as you are. Now, this right here is a big negation to all the paths to God. In fact, we see that all the religions and all the ways and don't lead home. And that may offend you. That may make you very uneasy or upset, like that's, that's pretty dogmatic or narrow-minded, until you realize that God's holy, perfect, and good. And in fact, He would send His Son that you could come to Him. Because if He didn't, then no one would come. But He sent His Son for you. But look further with me. Not only is it God the Father at work in salvation, not only is God the Son at work in your salvation, Jesus, in fact, says the Spirit is. See, again, they are three in one. Jesus answers and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Jesus is speaking to a man by the name of Nicodemus. He's one of the most religious rulers at that time. All right? He's a religious teacher, ruler of that day and time. And he says, listen, if you want to get into God's kingdom when you die, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus is like... So you go back in your mom's belly Like what, what's what's up? And Jesus tells him Look at this Just a little snippet here I don't have time to walk through it all But verse 6 of John 3 He says That which is born of the flesh is flesh But that which is born of the Spirit Is Spirit He says If you want to see God's kingdom You must be born of the Spirit of God And that only happens By receiving and acknowledging His Son as your Lord and Savior There's no other way so again, all three are at work here bringing about the salvation of God, pouring it forth. And you may say, Blake, why are we getting so technical here? Because when I want you to see Acts 16, verse 6 through 10 and realize these three that are identified, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they aren't at, like, at opposing one another. They are unified. They're working together. They are bringing about salvation. They are bringing about the divine plan of God to ransom people from all nations, tribes, tongues, and languages. It's the very plan of God. And so this morning, I want to just throw three things at you. First, I want you to see is how does God speak? So if you're here today and you say, Blake, I've got some decisions to make or, hey, I'm trying to really seek God on, on some things. First, is the question is, well, how does God speak? And then secondly, if God does speak, then how might he equip me or prepare me for what he's spoken to me about or telling me about? And then thirdly, like, how does God call? Like, how does God make this known what I should be doing? Let's deal first with how God speaks. Acts 16, remember we've had the Holy Spirit stop them and then now the Spirit of Jesus has stopped them and said, listen, you can't go there. And they're most likely a little perplexed. And it says in verse 9 that a vision appeared to Paul in the night. It says a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So twice now we have this mention of a vision happening. This is how God begins to reveal what He's planning to do. And if you read that and maybe you're like me, you would say, That's awesome for Paul, but Blake, I hadn't had any visions lately. Like there hadn't been like any dreams, or like hasn't been anything like in my dreams or like this vision when I was praying and just that that hasn't happened for me. And so what I want to do right now for you is two things. One I want to share with you so that one you won't be discouraged. Until you won't be deceived. Now, you're going to walk through next week, if you have time, we're, we're going to be here again, if the Lord wills. Uh, we're going to return back and we're going to walk through a lot of acts looking at these three things how God speaks, how He equips or prepares, and how God calls. And God does it in, in a lot of amazing ways. But I want you today to have this basis, this background, to realize so you're not discouraged and you're not deceived. Why might you be discouraged? Because you hear that and you see these visions and these angels are going to show up and how God's going to speak to them in these mighty, awesome ways. And you're going to think, dude, that ain't happening with me. What's wrong with me? And so you hear that today and you might be led toward discouragement, but stay with me and you won't. The other part is, is this deception. Some of you are going to see the visions, the angels and think, dude, that's what I want. And so you're going to run out and try to find some way to have this vision. Maybe I don't know how you're going to try to bring it about, or you're going to seek it or find it with somebody else that says, "Hey, they've had this point of experience." And I want to I want to caution you today, because this experience it's awesome and mighty and powerful. But oftentimes, and I would say to you and I, the vast majority, that's not how God speaks. I want to show you that today. Now, God can He use visions and angels? Absolutely, He can. But there's a great deception or a danger in seeking them out. Why? I didn't say, listen, I'm trying to read this so I get it right. Notice, I didn't say they are deceptive if that's what God uses. But the impetus in the scripture is on seeking God through his word. And allowing God to speak however he wants. So I want you to see today that God's primary means with you is speaking through his word. So when you see vision and you hear angel and you think, I, I'm not experiencing those. I'm not, so maybe there's no like, real opportunity for me to ever really hear from God or speak or God, speak to me, make, make me known to me, his will. I want to turn with you just for a moment to 1 Corinthians 14. Maybe this will provide some alleviation of your discouragement possibly or the potential deception. Paul writes to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 36 through 38. And it, here's these words. He says, or was it from you that the word of God came? Are you the only ones that it's reached? And what's happening here? Well, there are people in Corinth that are speaking other tongues, other languages. This is static languages that are happening. People are prophesying, saying they have a word from God. All right, And what's happening in the church is, in fact, they're puffing themselves up and saying, well, I hear from God and you don't because God speaks to me in these mighty, miraculous ways. And he's not doing that with you. And Paul says, listen. They may think they have the corner share on the market, like of hearing God. And if you can't hear God in the way they do, then you're like less spiritual than them. Or, you know, obviously, maybe you don't know God as great as they do. Um, listen to what happens here. Because if you, if you miss this, you're going to deal with a lot of discouragement and, and possibly deception. Watch what Paul says, verse 37. If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, what's this? Well, it's his writing, but it's ultimately the command of the Lord. He says, listen, if they don't acknowledge that, then they're not recognized. What's Paul saying? He's saying the Word of God is the ultimate source of truth. And if someone is declaring they have a word from God and it's contrary to this word, he says they're wrong. He says, you want to know the ultimate way that God is speaking? Does He use prophets May He uses visions? Absolutely, He might. Yes. But Paul says, listen, everything outside of the Word of God must be checked against the Word of God. So if you want to know the primary way that God desires to speak to you, if you say, God, I just want you to speak to me, I would tell you He already has and He will, and it's through His Word. It is the Word of God. And that's what Paul's telling them. Listen, don't be, don't be thrown off. Be careful. It's the Word of God that is your rock-solid certainty. That you can know that this is from God. Why? Because outside of this Word, there's the potential for error. The Word of God is in theological terms. We say it's infallible. That means it's without error. But as you step away from the Word of God and you begin to deal with like what God's speaking to me about, or I'm hearing seeing this, these visions, or this is what I think or what I feel, you've got to check that against what God's Word says. He says, because if not, listen, you can be deceived. That's what he's telling them. Hey, listen, if they don't recognize that this is the true Word of God, if what they're hearing from God is contrary to this Word, he said, they're missing it. They're being deceived. So I want you to know that you have a certain Word from God, an assurance From God, that God is speaking to you. So before we move further in the text, I want you just to to caution you for a moment. It's with Jesus' words. In Matthew 12, there's scribes and Pharisees. These are religious leaders, teachers. They knew the Bible, the Old Testament, really, really well. And they come to Jesus. Look what they said to him. Very interesting. Teacher. We wish to see a sign from you. But he answers him, an evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign, but no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. And then he's saying, hey, listen, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, so the Son of Man will be three days in the earth. He's talking about his resurrection from the dead. He's saying that's the ultimate sign. You want an ultimate sign that I am who I said I am? Look to the empty tomb. But what's interesting here, watch this. They say, teacher. They're acknowledging. Hey, you're a teacher. You've got a lot of great things to say. But what you say is not enough we also we want a sign and that's where some of you are I mean listen it it happens I'm guilty of it too okay so you have this moment that you drive over there and you say alright God if I drive over there and it's perfectly sunny and in that moment it thunders and I look up and her grandmother's car has one like one wheel on the curb, one wheel in the, in the grass, one wheel in the driveway. And if at that very moment, when I go to pull in there, if like the sun shines so bright on that house and then this like the mailman, he pulls up in a stretch limo and he delivers the mail. And this eagle like flies by and, like soars so majestic. Then I'll know I should ask her to prom. Right. You ever been there? Come on. Huh? You've had those moments like you're making all these deals with God. Like if, if this sign and then this sign, God, and if you'll do that sign, then I'll know. Jesus says, my words are enough. He says, my words are sufficient, y'all. You're wanting all these signs. You're wanting all these other proofs. He says, my word, my teaching is enough. So be careful when you think that you need some other great sign or some miraculous moment to prove what God's already said in His Word. That's what He's speaking to them about. That's what we're seeing here in the book of Acts 16. You say, well, Blake, I mean, dude, that's pretty awesome. That, that's pretty great that all these things you're sharing. But the reality is, last time I checked, I can't like open up to John chapter 3 or Ezra chapter 2 and it tell me like, okay, you should take this job or you need to make this decision right now. It's not that clear. And you'd be right. So how do we allow God to speak? How does this become very practical? All right, This is going to become very practical, I hope and pray for a moment. How does this become practical? How how might I understand that God would speak? How can God equip or prepare me for what He's speaking about? I want to show you the Word of God is, in fact, your God. Watch this. First and foremost, I would tell you this. Or not foremost, but first we kind of see this. We kind of walk through it. You're going to ask the church to pray. You saw that this morning. People come in asking the church to pray. You're asking the church to pray for God's grace. Wow, watch what happens. Acts 15, verse 39. There arises a sharp disagreement. Um, and so Barnabas thinks they should take a man by the name of Mark, who's already separated from him in the past. And Paul says, no, we shouldn't take him. All right? And so he says, Silas. And look what happens. Verse 40 of Acts 15. So Paul and Silas depart, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So what happens here? The church comes together and they say, listen, we're going to depend upon God's grace to empower you guys to do what God's called you to do. So I would tell you, if you're seeking God for His will, His decision, you need the church. You don't need Lone Ranger work. You need other men and women of God who can come around you and pray and put their hands on you and say, God, keep them in your grace. God, please. God, give them the strength for this journey, God. Make known, not only that, look what happens here. Secondly, let's just... Text, you're saying, Blake, how's the word of God speak then? If, if I don't have this clear, like, written word, how might the word of God speak to me? That's what I'm trying to show you from the text. God would raise up other disciples. Look what happens. Again, just where our text is right here today, in the midst of the context. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra, and a disciple was there. His name was Timothy. Now, you remember, his mom was Jewish and his father was a Greek, and therefore he's ultimately circumcised after he comes with Paul. He's well spoken of, it says in verse 2. And Paul wants him to accompany him, and so he does. So the reminder is this, right? Timothy is one of those that God raises up along the way. Is God's going to raise up people along the way? As you begin to say, God, what is your will? God, please make known to me your will. So you need to start looking around at the men and women of God that God has raised up around you to help you along that journey. To give you the strength that you need. To give you um, that they could also seek the Lord. I remember this. Emily and I, we came here and started in youth ministry. Listen, I I'd, I'd volunteered some places, but I had no experience. So we walk in here January 2005, starting in youth ministry, and I have absolutely no clue. But you know what God had already done? He would already raised up some disciples. Danny and Faye Halls were already here. God would soon raise up Charlie Allen to come walk beside us. A woman by the name of Kelly Estes, God, would raise up and then God would radically save her husband, Greg, who would also begin to walk beside us. God would raise up faithful people that would say, hey, we'll drive the bus or, hey, we'll bring food or, hey, we'll help get to that gymnasium over there that doesn't have any air conditioning. We're going to help reach the kids in this community. What was God doing? He had already raised up other disciples that wanted to be about God's vision and will. So begin to look around. You may get there and arrive there and God's already raised up people. or He's showing people along the way. Further with me. Ask God to give you His desires. Look what happens there. Verse 6 of Acts 16. It says they went throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. They're forbidden by the Holy Spirit. They tried to go into Nia. And the Spirit of Jesus didn't allow them to. You need to come to a place when you're discerning what God's will and plan is. Acknowledging that you can miss it. I mean, if Paul and those guys thought this is what we should do and they had to get stopped and God said, no, nope, you need to go another direction. And they went this way and God said, no, nope, you need to go another direction. You need to be humble enough to acknowledge that you may not always know the right way to go either. And so you need to start praying, God, not my will, but your will be done. God. You said in the prophet Isaiah, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. God, I just want to acknowledge right now, God, I so want this relationship to work, God. I may force it. I mean, God, I want this job to be mine, God. I may force it, God. I mean, I'm. Lord, I know. I... Lord, oh, God, please stop me if it's not your will, Lord. Please, God, if it's not your will, as much as I want it, change my heart and desires, God. Please, Lord. Do you see that? God, give me your desires. Fourthly, I would say again, we're asking, how does God speak through the Bible? I would show you, the Word of God here is to speak to you. It gives you direction. Look further with me. Verse 10, when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul says, listen, through all these series of events, we came to a place of conviction, a conclusion of what God wanted. I would ask you, as you begin to seek the Lord's will for your Big decisions, little decisions, all in between. Would you just seek the Lord and say, God, give me your conviction. God, I want to know with certainty. I don't want to have to wonder. God, I don't want to to make this decision and look back and say, I moved my family or we step forward in this relationship, God, and look back and say, what was I doing? Lord, you were telling... God, I want your conviction. I want God to know I'm in the center of your will. God, give me peace that passes understanding. Help me, God. Do you see this? This Scripture is showing you, you've got to depend wholly on God and the the others that He's raising up around you. It's the Word of God that's just leading God in you. And fifthly, I just throw this at you. God, give me the grace to act immediately. Look what it says about Paul. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia. Saying, God, listen. Lord, I am praying, God, please, for my babies today. Please, God. They're making this decision about where they're going to go to school. They're going to leave home. God, they're going to see so many people. Oh, God, raise up other disciples around them. God, stop them. If it's not your will for that school, then God, don't let it be that school. Oh, God, please, Lord, give them just abundant grace. God, have mercy on them. Please, God, let them have conviction. Let us all know as a family, unify us, God, on that decision. Please, God. God. Bring in unity, Lord Jesus. And God, I pray when we know, we will know. God, and I pray we will act immediately. Lord, help us. Do you see that? That's God's Word. Just leading you and teaching you. He's speaking to you through His Word. How to make decisions. How to walk through these moments. And so thirdly, I would just say this. How does God call? Again, we're going to walk through a lot of these next week. But this is just a laying the foundation. You're asking, Blake, what's God calling me to do? Look what Paul says. He gets this vision and he says, listen, immediately we start to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You know what I've been amazed by about the conclusions or this conviction of God? Is the more I pray for opportunities to share the gospel and take the gospel, the more they just keep opening up. And the more I can be like, dude, God. Absolutely, it's God's will for me to share. This is what I've been praying and asking God to do. I've been sitting around now and wonder, like, God, this is what you want me to do. So the more I'm praying God change my heart to your heart, and the more I'm asking God to use me, the more God's just answering those. Paul says, listen, we, we conclude, we know it. But not only that, he says he had called us. That call is, is certain. And it's very, it's very straight at you. This is laser calling, alright? Look what happens here. Why do you say that, Blake? In Acts 23, it says that Paul called one of the centurions. He tells them, hey, listen, there's a plot this young man's heard. They're going to kill me. So this man goes and tells the other one. He says, Paul the prisoner called me. See how individual that is. Again, same Greek words being used. It's used in our passage today about how God called. Further, verse 23 of Acts 23. Then he called two of the centurions and said, hey, listen, get rid of all these soldiers, these horses. They're going to try to kill this guy. Let's get him out of here at night so nobody can do it. Do you see how specific the call is? God is intentional. He wants to speak to you. He desires to direct your life. He doesn't want you having to wander around and and, and wonder, God, do you care about me? God, what do you want me to do? God desires to speak. And this calling is intentional. It's to you. And He may be using overwhelming signs and, and amazing things that are undeniable, and you just are refusing it. It's the call of God. So look what happens here. It's first Timothy 3, verse 1. It says, here's a trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer. The word set his heart on literally means as if you're reaching for it. It says, listen, if someone is speaking specifically those that are being called to lead the church, he says, it's just like you can't stop reaching for it. In fact, he says, they desire a noble task. That desire a noble task is also used in Matthew 5, verse 28. When Jesus said that, you, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you the truth, that anyone looks at a man or a woman with lust in their heart, They commit adultery. That word for lust that he uses there is the same word indicating this strong desire, right? I mean, we've all most all of us here have dealt with some lust. You know what that desire is like. He's saying, Listen, that's the desire here. It's like, man, it consumes you. Are you sensing that? As you're praying, discerning, God, what's your will? God, what's your plan for me, for my babies, for my home, for, for our church? There's this just desire like, man, God, we have got to go for this. God, we have got. I mean, you're waking up thinking about it. You're going. You're going to bed thinking about it. I mean, it's just this continual desire. It's just like consuming you. That was me. August 2007 or thereabout. Our pastor here, Brother Mike Acres, left, and during that time, as the church would look for someone, a man by Mark Lowe, name of Mark Lowe, myself, would begin a team preach. And I had no desire to preach, guys. None. Emily and I wanted full time youth ministry. That was our heart, our desire. We had, we, we didn't want any part of it. And man, the more I began to sit up here and share the Word of God and work through the Word of God week by week, man, it was like a burning desire. I just couldn't get to escape it. Are you experiencing that? As you pray and discern what the Lord's will is, do you experience that burning desire? That man, we have got to go for this, my family. We've got to move this direction. I've got to. I've got to follow God in this. As afraid as I am, of yeah. One last call I would tell you about. It's a call to your soul. And it happens on the day of Pentecost. Peter was there and he says, listen, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has made Him both Lord and Christ. And they said, we killed the dude that's actually the king. He's God's son. He says, the people are cut to the heart. Literally, their hearts are just flayed open. And they said, what are we going to do? How are we going to be saved? And if we've done that, we... We killed God's Son us. Is there any hope? And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And he says, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he says his statement. He says, this is not only for you, but for all who are far off, for everyone whom the Lord our God calls. It says there's a calling of God. Do you experience that today right now? Do you experience like man God I am. I'm am guilty before you. I, I I acknowledge I can't come to you as I am. I need forgiveness. Are you experiencing just that movement of God's spirit this morning? The word of God's convicting your heart, drawing you Would you respond by doing what He says? They're repenting, saying, God, my way of life is wrong. Your way is right. Only Your Son can satisfy You. I'm putting my faith and trust in Him. He's my only defense before You. I'm pleading only the name of Jesus in Your presence. Nothing I can bring. Do you sense the call of God? The call of God is at work. God promises that from every nation, every tribe, every tongue and language and people, They will be there around the throne. The Honduras team believes that enough that they're going to leave this coming week to take the Gospel there. Do you believe it enough this week to take it to your job? Back to your family? To your community? That God would use you? That through your testimony, through your life, God would call others to His Son? It's the call of God. Others of you, you're dealing with the call of God in regards to ministry or serving in some area. Would you answer that call? Today, if you're here, you're discerning what God's will is. I hope and pray the Word of God was just open to you. And you saw, listen, God speaks to me through His Word. I just need to follow what His Word says. And if He wants to give me a vision or a sign, then praise the Lord. But His Word is enough. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask God that You would indeed draw people to You. I ask that Your Word, God, that You promised never would return void. God, I thank You. I thank You for Your love for each and every person here. For God so loved the world. I thank You that I can speak with confidence to everyone here today that God loves them. God, I pray today that they would hear the Spirit's call. That they would refuse You no longer. They would come and be made clean. For others, God, here are dealing with decisions right now. I just pray that Your Spirit would lead them and direct them to what Your Word says. And they would follow that Word and just begin to live a life of prayer and dependence upon You and Your Word and others that You've raised up around them. Father, I thank You. And I trust only in the name of Jesus, Lord. In His name I pray. Amen.